I'm creative business coach Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hello, welcome to the third installment of The Community Project gauging your value, learning moments from fiber business owners who are thriving despite their brain's best efforts. And today we have Amy Small of Knit Collage, who I just, I've only recently interacted with her. I just adore her. Anyway, so she came on the community project, oh, about a week and a half ago via email, which you can get access to those emails through my website, which is www.anastasiacreates.co slash community project. And we decided that rather than a traditional written piece that she wanted to do a video interview. So we did. And I thought that it would be really cool to have the audio of that video added to the podcast for you to listen to. And of course, I mean, you can see the video with the other projects if you go and you sign up. But Amy and I are going to talk a lot today about mindset, about the industry, about her experiences and the things she sees from looking on the inside to others within the industry and their mindset challenges. And she does something really fantastic, which is gives tons of book recommendations. And while I typically never do show notes because I have no time nor energy nor money to pay somebody else to do it, uh, I will go ahead and I will put these books in the show notes for you. You are welcome. Um, So let's go ahead and I'm going to let Amy introduce herself. All right. So first of all, thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Okay. So usually I kind of do an introduction sort of thing, especially when I do podcast interviews because um, it's just audio. But since we're video, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself and telling us what you do? and? Um, also, no, we'll start there. We'll start there. We'll just leave it at that. Just an introduction. Cool. So my name is Amy Small and I am the founder of Knit Collage and at Knit Collage, we make very unique hand spun yarn. Some of it's hand spun, some of it is not, but most of it has a handmade element and it's all made in India by a small team of women. And then here in the States, we also design patterns to work with the yarns. Um, Along with a few other teachers, we teach lots of things. (laughs) So how to knit different designs and styles. And we host knit-alongs where we all make things in community. And that's been a really fun, fun part of the business in the past two years during the pandemic, especially when people were really longing for a way to get together you know, somehow through the things that they love from their own homes. Right. So that's sort of what I do. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Very cool. So, all right. And this is something that I personally have been wanting to know, but how did you get to where you are now? Because Knit Collage is just such a, it's, it's such an established brand and it's 
been around for a while. And when you hear knit collage, everyone's like, oh, I know exactly what that is. Or you see a sweater and you're like, oh, that's a knit collage sweater. Like we all know that. So I'm curious about how, how did this all come to fruition for you? Well, it was a very long process. <laughs> and I, I think, I don't know, when I look back, I think so much of getting where we are now is just sticking with it is just not giving up. It's just, you know, I kept going and I didn't give up through all the fires I've seen along the way and all the failures and mistakes I've made along the way. Um, but how it began is I used to design sweaters for free people, which is a, a part of Urban Outfitters back in the day when I was in my twenties. And I had this idea to hand spin yarn <laughs> I knew nothing about knitting at the time, but I taught myself how to spin yarn. I actually learned from this amazing woman who wrote the book Handspun Revolution, and you can find it on Amazon. It's a really cool book. Her name's Lexi Bogar, and I don't know if she might still be doing it, um, but she taught spinning, and she had this beautiful book, and it really inspired me to learn how to spin. And I thought, well, I'll just try and sell these. And I emailed a few yarn stores and said, you know, like, would you buy these? Here's the pictures of them. And one responded. And I was like, oh, I, I totally have a business. It's, it's like, it's happening. I have, you know, I had no idea how I was going to make them. But in my mind, it was already a viable business. And that store was Loop London, which is a very, like, it's a really good store. I didn't really realize that at the time, but um very established store. And then I started to do it, started to try to fulfill these orders and figured out that that was not going to be possible all alone. And at the time I was living in Hong Kong, working for free people. Actually, I think I had quit that job and I was working free. I worked freelance for like nine different companies at that time as a sweater designer, some China-based, some Hong Kong-based, some US-based. And I was trying to figure out how I could make it on a larger scale that didn't involve me spinning all the yarn. And in my free people days, I had traveled a lot to India where we currently make the yarn. And I knew in my heart, it was gonna be a great place to make the yarn because they say yes to everything. There's no like, no, that seems like there's too, that's too much hard work. No, there's like a positive, yes, we can try this. Um, and aesthetically, they just have such a rich history of textiles and craft where all of this amazing, like all these amazing raw materials are from. So it just felt like this perfect place um, to make the yarn. So that's how it kind of all got started. I moved back. Um, once that was kind of up and running, I moved back to the States. And I think a really big turning point came when I decided to shift more to online sales versus wholesale. Because in the beginning, probably for the first seven years, I only sold wholesale. And so at some point I realized that was not actually going to be a viable business for me because our margins were so low and we still do it, but I need to have that mix of direct to consumer too. And what was so cool actually about when I made that switch is that when I sold to yarn shops, every yarn shop owner is different, right? Like one in Oklahoma, Shelly, of Knit Stars is very different than, let's say, like a store owner in San Francisco or New York City. And so 
I was really tailoring what I sold to all these different people and it was almost impossible and it wasn't true to myself. So when I switched to online, it was almost like this giant exhale where I just got to be myself and do me and do the kind of things I really wanted to do. And the flip side is that that resonated more with the store owners when I was more true to myself too. You know what I mean? Um, because I wasn't trying to force myself into their boxes. That makes any sense. So it was really uh, the silver lining of switching to online also as it was better for everybody. So that was a big turning point for my business in maybe 2017, something like that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So now do you feel like you were originally trying to fit into boxes as a result of kind of your past with using or with being with free people because you had to fit a certain aesthetic or has it always, are you a people pleaser? <laughs> I would say, no, it was more, I just really wanted to make the business viable. And I was trying to figure out how to get sales and how to like make the business work and really like support myself with it. And I was just willing to do whatever I could do, but I, there were sacrifices there in um, not staying true to myself, I think. Mm -hmm. And I had a business coach, like my first business coach, who I think she took one look at the numbers and was like, you have to go online. And I was so scared because at that point, and I think this has changed, if you sold online and you also sold to yarn stores, those owners would potentially like cancel you. They wouldn't, you know, order from you anymore because they'd see you as a competitor. So I was so nervous to do it because I was afraid of shooting myself in the foot. But when she was like looking at the numbers and like, no, nope, you got to do this. It was a very clear cut and all this good stuff that I just told you about came through because of it. But I think I was just, I was just trying to make it work. And lots of good things came out of that time. I made so many great connections with store owners and um, different people in the industry from trade shows and all that good stuff. So it was, it was absolutely worthwhile, but I don't think I was being true to myself when I did that. And it certainly wasn't viable from a margin standpoint. Yeah. Makes sense. It does. And what I think is a really great lesson in this is that the more true you were to yourself, the more profitable everything became and probably easier that everything became as well yeah yeah I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of like you know just do you no yeah. one else can do you you gotta yeah. do you <laughs> yeah yeah because I mean like you are gonna have more of a connection with who's buying from you than like who's buying from a store that you're selling to right because yeah. that's their responsibility is to have that connection but when you get more control over that connection then I think then your creativity really can come into play with that. Um, you're not just throwing yeah. stuff at the wall to see what's yeah. Stuff. And seeing people firsthand make things from the yarn who were sharing it with me and you know our team and our community, that was also so inspiring and really reinforced, like, you know, oh, keep keep going. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So um I I've got some questions, like just kind of about mindset stuff. Um and I really, I think, where do I want to start with it? Because I feel like there's so many things that we could talk about. But, um, you know, I guess for you, have you ever had a point in your business where you feel, where you felt like, 
maybe your own value wasn't there or have you stayed pretty steady and consistent with it? Yeah, I've been thinking about this question because you sent it over and I, I think I've always had a very um, steadfast vision in myself that I could do it. Like, Good. I think I've always had that. I don't, but at the same time, I don't think that like everything's been so slow and steady and it's been, I've been in business since 2010. So it's been a real like long, slow, <laughs> slow haul of growing slowly, slowly, step back, step forward. Um, so I don't think there's been any turning point in my career trajectory, like with the business, it's been more just building slowly on what, what we've done every month and every year. Um, mindset wise, I think I've always had this like unwavering confidence in myself that I can do it. I don't know. I, I don't, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I, it's nice. <laughs> I've had that, but that said, I've had tons of challenges. Made you know, been in crazy debt, had tons of horrible things happen that I'm like so embarrassed about. You know, mistakes I've made. So, despite it all, like I've had some really bad moments. You know, what yeah. I mean, I think that I kind of at my heart, like, and I think most people. I hope most people feel this way too. You may have like the external things that go right and wrong and debt that lasts for years but at your core in your heart you know you got this you know you can do this you know what I mean I do <laughs> yes and I I feel like that's there right it's just how do we how do we start to kind of get that. everything out of the way so that you can see that a little better right like, yes and trust in that I think right. too yes yeah that's great I mean it's it's um it's nice to know that I that do it, think that, that they're possible there is like, did you ever read the book, The The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks? I do think no. I have that. That's a really good book. And he, um, he talks about upper limiting, like, like if you have limiting beliefs, um, around anything and how those can hold you down. So like right now, like, for example, I feel like I'm living my parents' life in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, how do I get, which is amazing. Like, this is great. Like things are stable, you know, but at the same time, if I want to go beyond that, I'm going to have to push through some upper limit beliefs that I can do more than just that. And so I think I've got some potentially like, you know, subconscious stuff or whatever around maybe that next level and how to break through from there. So I do think I have some of that going on that I haven't fully examined. And I think probably we all have stuff like that, like that we might not be a hundred percent aware of. So I don't think I'm, I do feel like I've got this inner confidence. I can get through that, but have not yet. Right. <laughs> I've got to, some work to do on that. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a cool book. And if you, like, if anyone reads it, it is interesting. Cause you'll be like, oh yeah, I've got that. I've got that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well that I'll put it on my list on my list of, I love, love stuff like that. Oh my goodness. I think um, he reads it in the audio version, which is good too. I, I always like it when the author actually reads yes. it. <laughs> yes, me too. Me too. It's really connecting. I really like that. Um, okay. So one thing I, I think maybe, I mean, do you feel like from what you've seen that this is an industry that has a lot of self-doubt in it? Um, does that 
I mean, to me, like I see a lot of very small yeah. business owners, you know, solo business owners as I'm, yeah. as you started, right. Like who are trying to kind of now start to make the waves and they feel like it's really unattainable because they see, you know, certain, because we have key players in, in the fiber arts industry. Like, and you know, we know who the biggest designers are. We know who the biggest yarn dyers are because they usually work with the biggest designers. <laughs> and like, we know who all of those players are, but then they start to worry, like, I'm not going to be able to get there. I mean, do you see that at all? Or yeah. is it just Yeah, me? I do. I do see it in a, in a lot of my friends. Um, and I think, I think that maybe there's two things that come up. There's one that is probably in every industry where there's this tendency to really compare yourself to other people and, oh, they're so far ahead of me. Oh, their pictures are perfect. Like whatever it is, right? Those color combos are amazing. But I guarantee if you look back at where they started from, their pictures were not perfect. Everybody started somewhere and they learned and grew and got better along the way. And you, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere, right? Like you, if you're not embarrassed, right? If you're not embarrassed by what you put out there first, (laughs) then you started too late, probably (laughs) just throw yourself in. So I see, I do see like the compare and despair thing a lot. And then Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is that in general, it's not an industry that pays really well. So there's a lot of that going on, which is like, how do that self-doubt around, well, how can I really make a living around this? If I'm selling a pattern for $5 or $10 and how many do I need to sell to actually, it's in a way it's hard to make a, you know, to support a family on just pattern design. You really have to have some patterns that are knocking it out of the park. Um, And, and that can be really hard. So I think the, both those things are, are at play that I see. And it surprises me because even some of my friends that have established stores and will still get caught up in stuff. And I'm like, no, you just do you. It's obvious. You just do you. It's fine. Don't think about this person or that person. <laughs> yeah. You just stick to your guns. No one can do what you can do. Right. Um, so yeah, that that I definitely see that. Do you think it's worse in the yarn craft world than other industries? Or well, I do think that we are a really unique industry in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I I would say that yes, I think it is more prevalent. And I think. The reason is, or part of it, a big contributor of it is basically the fact that we're primarily not men, right? Like there's patriarchal values absolutely that are coming in because how many of us have been like, you know, oh, don't, you know, as young girls, like don't make waves or don't, you know, be loud, don't show up, don't brag about yourself, you know, uh, you don't really want to stand out unless you're like winning and cutting other people down right Mm. like then that's kind of rewarded in society um yeah I totally see that it's really it's really it's sad um but I think the more that we start to be cognizant of it it can be really helpful in trying to understand or at least beginning to understand that like hey these things are okay it's okay to want to make money as you know as a not man. It's okay to want to, you know, have a successful business. It's okay to like own the money, right? Like you can have money yes. and that's not a bad thing. Um, 
and you can talk about yourself and that's not a bad thing either. It's just, it's so, it's so interesting. Um, even last night I was talking to a friend who she had written a piece for this project and was talking about how every time she talks to somebody, they say what they do, but they don't really like say it in the right way. And she'll be like, well, I think that you do this, which is really impactful. And then they're kind of like, no, 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 no. And then when I was talking to her, I said something like that. And she was like, no, 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 no. I was like, do you see what you're doing? Like you're doing the same thing that you yeah. see. We have a way of like making ourselves smaller. Yes. I'm like, what's the point? I mean, like, do we really are super scared that something horrible is going to happen yeah. and everyone's going to hate us. And it's just like, I don't think that that's yeah. accurate. I had something similar like that happen a couple months ago too. And, and I was, I had a moment where I was like, oh yeah, no, the business is like that. <laughs> and kind of stepped into that, you know, that more, yeah. I don't know, just, oh yeah, I have created something, you know, it's, it's hard to take ownership of that. I think sometimes as a woman. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it, kind of coming back to what you were talking about is that the fact that this industry doesn't really make a lot of money and, you know, it, it, whether or not we will really be able to push really far out of that is questionable. I think that, you know, it's women's work for the most part, yeah. it's hobby industry. Like some people will really always see it and society may really always see it as just frivolous, right? It's frivolous, mm. silly. It's not important because not really necessarily practical, especially now that you can buy anything for probably cheaper than we all make things, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of that, but then what happens is those narratives get into our head and then we aren't comfortable trying to charge more because right. we're making ourselves small, but then we're also making the money that we make small too. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to charge. It's okay to charge a lot for what you're offering because the value is impactful and it's okay to do that. Right. And I think, you know, just using an example. So the, uh, I was telling you earlier that I'm part of the knit along, the, the knit collage knit along this year, and I'm making the Corinne cardigan for my friend. And, um, you know, the price of the yarn is not cheap. It's not cheap. Mm -hmm. And I don't really often spend a lot of money on yarn anyway, because I already have like a ton. In this. We, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, like it was one of those things, but it's, you know, for me, there was a lot to it. It's like, there was a lot of symbolism and being able to, to do that of, you know, like, this means that this is something that I want to do for my friend. You know, she's my best friend mm -hmm. and like, this is special and I'm willing to put that money out there. And I accidentally made the mistake when I asked her what color combos she wanted. I sent her to the page that had the dollar figure and she goes, please don't make this for me. Please don't do that. And I was like, please, it's not about the money. Like it doesn't have anything to do with it. Like there's so much more behind it. Like I want to do this for you. And that's what, that's the, that's the value that I'm exchanging it for. Right. Like it's just money. So, I mean, but the money is representative of something yeah. bigger, right? Like we have so many money. I feel like, especially women, we have so many deep-seated money issues. There's yeah. so much like money mindset stuff, especially in small business that you have to work through if you want to keep going and be successful for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now with comparison, I mean, have you ever had moments like that? Because I feel like what you have is kind of unique. So I don't know if there's really been many people to compare to. Um, 
I'm sure I have. I'm a hundred percent sure. Um, actually I had Tony Lipsy recently come teach for our membership and just, it was one of those moments where like everything, like her teaching, her class was amazing. Everyone was loving her. She was radiant and happy. And I'm like, and then I was looking on her site and it's just so beautiful. And, <laughs> but she had these beautiful like pattern bundles and then her YouTube channel. And I'm like, she's, I don't know how she's done this. This is incredible. How did she get to this point? You know? Yeah. Um, so for sure, I think, you know, I do that all the time. I think I'm, I'm, I think because I've learned early on that when I just do me and I stick to my own creative vision, things work out for the best. I've learned that lesson enough that I'm pretty good at just being inspired by everybody else. And I really do feel like we, there's a place for all of us yes. um, to do our own thing. I don't think that um, any of us are directly competing with each other no. and it's, it's okay. Like we each have, and when we keep inspiring each other and like, that's why I love just telling you just do you no one else can do your crazy right. thing right I, I was reading on like a reddit article someone hates our yarn and they were like describing the sweaters as throw up and whatever and I really did get I got down about it for like a day I was oh. like and and then I'm like you know what but that's my thing that no one does sweaters like this that yeah. are all patchwork mixed yarns whatever you know what I mean like yeah. and it's not going to resonate with everybody and that's okay. It doesn't have to make everybody happy. Right. It can just inspire this niche of people and that'll be fine. Right. And you don't want to do it for everybody. I mean, like once you start no. to reach like mass market, then you start to really compromise on so many things because yeah. you're just trying so hard to please everyone yeah. across the board. And then we're moving out of that. You do you, you know, we're moving completely yeah. beyond focusing on the people that really want it. And obviously a lot of people really love it. Right. And they love the yarn and they make the sweaters and you see them all the time. So, you know, Reddit's just full of grumpies. So let's be honest. That was my feeling too. So thank you for saying that, but also like they're entitled to their opinion and that's so fine. And I, I get it. Like they do look kind of weird art school teachery and it's totally okay. I love that about it. <laughs> Actually, when I um, graduated high school, you know, they do that like most likely to. Mine was most likely to design a fashion collection out of her grandma's closet. Oh my and God. So when I'm reading this Reddit note, I'm like, this is. <laughs> I have, I have done it. I've made this it. Is it. That's it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I, I like it though. And I hope you didn't mind me talking about like the, the, the purchase that I made and that being a higher purchase, no, no, because no. I think, I think it's really important for people to see that, you know, you guys charge in accordance with like, you know, your expenses and everything, but you're also recognizing that this is the value of it, right? Like this oh, yeah. truly is the value and it's okay to charge it because people will pay it. You know, sometimes yeah. It takes a little bit of you communicating that value with them and helping them to understand why, you know, why prices are what they are. And that can be directly or indirectly. And I think you guys yeah. do it very indirectly in a lot of ways. Like it's more the feeling of it. I, I don't think that I've heard a whole lot of conversation about like, you know, we charge this because of X, Y, Z, right? Like you don't have to yeah. say that, but um, I, I really lean into the experience of it. So more than just 
the yarn and the pattern that when you join a knit along, it's also this experience where you're going to get help when you need it, which is not any cheap thing to offer on our side. Right. And we have people that sign up for weekly help sessions and they get all this help as part of their kit. And you might be an expert knitter and not need it, but a lot of people do need it, especially if they're learning brioche or how to crochet for the first time, um, how to steak a sweater or intarge all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think of it more like, okay, we really want people to finish with an heirloom piece that they will love and treasure forever or gift to someone who will love and treasure forever and have it be so meaningful. How do we help make that process and that that experience of making that thing as easy and joyful as possible for them and I sort of reverse engineer it okay we're gonna have help sessions we're gonna have zooms where you come and ask questions um we're gonna add in a little bit of mindfulness because we don't want you to not like breathe through this when you know it gets into a big tangle and you have to rip 16 times. Yes. Um, so I think that's the part that, that people sometimes don't understand is that we're also adding all of that in and that there is an expense for sure associated with offering all of that help and support to people along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not just the product and even sometimes it's not only the experience, but it's a support system that comes with it. Because there's more than just, I mean, obviously there's the part of you guys, but you're also facilitating the support system of the community. So it all kind of comes together. And that is, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's something that when you spend, when we spend money, right? Like we are, it is a value for value exchange. Like I'm spending this money because that is worth it to me in X, Y, Z way. And I think it's, that's one of those things that I think a lot of makers get hung up on if like, I don't really want to charge too much because people might not be able to afford it, but if they truly see it as a value exchange, right. And mm-hmm. not everyone's going to be able to afford everything. And some of us have that privilege and some of us do not. And accessibility is, is definitely something that I feel is important, but at the same time, it's hard to be accessible if you're not making yeah. a business accessible to yourself, right? Like if you're not making yeah. money from it, you're no help. You're no impact to anyone. If you can't actually support yourself, right? Yes. Exactly. Like you, you, um, if you want to have impact in the world, you have to make a sale. Like right. we've been talking about that a lot in the business. Um, with, uh, I'm trying to maybe become a B Corp, which is just a more social enterprise. Yeah. It's very exciting, but it will be a very long process. But um, thinking about that, it's like, I can't do that unless we are, you know, a viable business that makes sales in the world and that has business coming in. Um, it's just impossible or other other cool things we might want to do down the road. Um, also, like, you have to be in a safe place like you to even create things in the world, right? Like if you're not getting food and shelter and your kids are okay, like you can't really operate and do your best work when you're operating from a place of scarcity or, you know, things aren't safe and you're living paycheck to paycheck or whatever it is. Um, So that's a big thing too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is a really good point. And it, it kind of, it would lead into, I think, a lot of mindset issues as well of mm-hmm. starting to, to really struggle and feeling like I have to make this work or else it means I failed. 
right? Yeah. And I, I do hear that sometimes. I have to make this work. I don't have a choice to not make this work. And it's like, okay, that's fine. We can be there. But how do we do this in a way where you aren't panicking every moment right. of the day? Right. That's just, that's going to come right into everything that you do. You aren't going to, you aren't going to give this work. It right. is, it is crazy how, um, I think people can pick up on that. You know, if you're not authentic, if you're coming from a scarcity mindset, um, you're panicked and stressed, like somehow that comes out into the world and they can see that. And I do think that's why mindfulness or like meditation or yoga or even knitting can help so much is like, basically it's that idea of, you know, things are tough. What am I going to do? How am I going to react? How am I going to stay calm in my calm center when, oh shit, I just got a tax bill for $60,000 or whatever it is, you know, X, Y, Z things happen. Um, Because you have to be able to, because people pick up on that. And if you let it trickle in, it doesn't resonate with anyone. Right. So, I mean, like you seem throughout this conversation, I mean, like you seem like a very grounded individual who, Hmm. you know, at least has a really good ability to process. Um, you know, have you always been like that? Or do you think it's something you've acquired over time? Um, I think there was a big shift for me right around the time when I changed. Give me one second. You can still watch a show. It's okay. (laughs) That's real life. (laughs) 107. Um, like when is this there is a babysitter here, but you know, sometimes you need mom. Um, so around two, I don't know when it was, it must've been like 2014. I read the book, the E-Myth, which is a great book for business owners. And that's how I got my first business coach. And it was a big shift for me, a big mental shift. And I think what I realized is that what got me to where I was there wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. And at that point I was wholesale. The business was in debt and I had not figured out how to make it viable. I was hanging on. I just had my first um, son. I had a twitch in my arm. It was like, not a good, (laughs) a good scene. And I started to really lean into, um, learning about business, how to become a better business owner, like that I needed help, like to actually get to where I wanted to go. And hiring that business coach was a big part of it. And it sounds like that's what you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully people can, you know, are in the right place to get help from you. But I also really leaned into the mindset work and working around my own scarcity stuff. Because when you're in debt, that as much as I was, it was very hard to operate from that calm center and not feel panicked all the time. And, you know, I don't want to get like super woo-woo because I don't know how woo-woo you are, but. <laughs> I, mean, I can get pretty woo here, so it's all right. We're woo-woo compliant is what we call it. <laughs> My mastermind, it's woo-woo compliant. <laughs> um, I really leaned into just changing my thoughts around money and scarcity. And what this looked like day to day was um, 
just observing the mental chatter, the way I spoke to other people, like, this is so expensive. How can preschool be so expensive? Like literally those words to this preschool is amazing. It's worth every penny. (laughs) And it also allows me to do my work in the world. Um, And also I did a lot of meditations around visualization and getting out of debt. And I think all of those things, really watching my mind, watching my mental self-talk and how I spoke to others, um, as well as the meditations really helped to change my mindset. Um, it's an ongoing process though. It is, I'm nowhere near like a finished product there, but it's, it set me on the course to, you know, things got better and are continuing to, you know what I mean? So I think that was the biggest change for me is that I just been going along, going along, going along, never getting help, never like, how am I going to get to this different place? Um, and then when I read the book launch by Jeff Walker, that was like a huge turning point for me too, because I realized, you know, it was right around the time I had turned my website on maybe two years later, I did my first launch just using his book. And that completely changed my life. I made $12,000 in one day and was like, Oh my God, I could maybe have something here. And that really set me on a whole different trajectory um, in my life. I'm loving all these book recommendations. This is amazing. Just going to take all the put in the book pocket. (laughs) You got to read launch. I have my lucky picture right here. Oh my gosh. Doesn't leave my desk. He's he's, uh, my lucky charm. (laughs) Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Launching is a big thing. Um, And I'm really into the concept of launching. So now I, now I really think I'll go get that right away. Anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, there's a couple of things in that. And the the fact that you, you alone were just able to acknowledge, Hey, I need help. Right. And I'm willing to ask for it. Yeah. And it was scary to invest. It was a $500 a month business coach. I'm $200,000 in debt. And I was paying for that coach, but it was the most important thing I could have done for myself. Terrifying, literally like nothing more terrifying, but I couldn't have done anything. Nothing more important. She's the one who told me to turn the website on, you know, like there's so much good that came out of that. Yeah. Cause you, I think that what's really nice about coaching and I have a coach too. I mean, like, you know, coaches have coaches. We all need them. Coaches. (laughs) It's really funny that some people are like, coaching is like a pyramid scheme because coaches will then coach other coaches. And then those coaches will coach other coaches. Anyway, it makes sense. (laughs) They need somebody, right? It's really just somebody who can reflect things back at you that you can't see, you know, like there are just times. And of course, yes, there's some knowledge that goes with it. Right. Like, you know, like I know some of the ins and outs of marketing and some people just, obviously we're not going to inherently like be born and go, I'm a great marketer and I know everything. Right. Um, but you know, there, there is a lot of reflection of like, do you think this might be because of this thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that actually might be the thing. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That happens. That happens to me with my coach quite, quite a bit. Um, so, I mean, I think that uh, the question that I want to ask that I want to ask the kind of like the last one is, you know, what you've given a lot of really good advice. And I really like that you gave that exercise of, you know, changing the language around things. 
Um, it's interesting you said that it made me think of, so my son um, is two and a half and now there's all these programs about how do we teach our kids to eat so that number one, they're not picky, but then they don't have disordered eating, you know, perceptions mm-hmm. as they grow. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my husband the other day, and he's really on board with this, but the other day he told my son that he could, if he ate one bite of something, then he could have like a dessert. And I said, no, 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 we don't do that. Remember? Like, we don't say that. We say that he can have dessert, no matter, even if he doesn't eat it. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Cause we're just so used to <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Like, so oh, yeah. used to it. So it's just, oh, yeah. Ooh, we have to- oh yeah. And, and we definitely live in a world where most people say this is so expensive, especially right now with gas being so expensive, expensive and inflation. And I don't want to blow those off. Like those aren't real concerns. Of course, those are real hardships that a lot of us are going through, but is there a way to flip the prism on that and also see a silver lining that you can lean into um, too? Um, My husband works in finance and he sees the markets just tanking right now. And I keep telling him to flip the prism for his clients. And this is a great opportunity. What can we yes. get at a cheap price here? How can Thank we think you. about this more long-term than immediate? Like what's the long-term vision for these investors? Um, what are their long-term goals? How can this be a positive versus we're all freaking out right now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I work in uh, my full-time job is I work in 401ks. And so oh, wow. most common thing is everyone's <sighs> like, my balance is, you know, why did I lose $12,000 this year? It's like, well, <laughs> let me tell you the market, but then, you know, you illustrate for them, like what happened in 2009 is the people who took all their money and put it in safety, didn't earn any of that loss back, but the people who didn't do anything, you know, and could tolerate it, right. They had time, they gained it all back and then more, right. Like there's, there's historical swings with that kind of thing. And we see that we've seen that over multiple recessions. Anyway, we don't need to go into like exactly investments, but yes, I mean, it's like, (laughs) It's like, how do you think about this? You know, I just, I don't even look at mine right now. You know, every once in a while, my husband and I will be like, how much have you lost? How much have you lost? How much you, and it's almost like a game, like, because. What a great way to look. I mean, it sounds silly, but that's such a better way to look at it because you know, you'll be fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what a better way than freaking out and analyzing, overanalyzing how much somebody, you know, is down today versus another day and getting. Well, yeah, it doesn't do any good to put your body under that stress. And then make yourself like literally physically sick because that happens a lot. And it's, it's interesting because there are studies also about how the mind can really heal the body in a lot of ways too. Like that's why placebos are real because placebos work because you think something is happening to you, but then it actually does. Like, this is very weird, you know, (laughs) like it's very powerful, very strange. Yeah, the, the meditations that I did are by Joe Dispenza. Do you know who he is? No, I'm loving all these resources. Keep throwing them at me. <laughs> so he he wrote a book called uh, something placebo, something about the something about the placebo effect, but it's basically just that and, and the power of the mind. Um, and it's super woo-woo. So <laughs> asterisk there. <laughs> But those are the meditations I do. I do some of them are just, you know, like the present moment and you just zone out, but there's music, which I like too. Um, 
but some of them are more visualizations about the future and stuff like that. So yeah, but he wrote a whole book about the placebo effect that is really good that I read too. Okay. All right. Well, I'm also very interested in the placebo effect. Uh, so, okay. I'm just gonna, where's my, I should be writing all this stuff down. I'll have to go back and watch it again. But anyway, thanks for all the book recommendations. That's fantastic. Um, so just this kind of wrapping up here. So if people have not heard of Nick Collage, because they've probably been living under a rock, um, <laughs> where can they find you? Yeah. So the website is just nickcollage.com. And I would encourage people to sign up for our newsletter. You can do that by signing up for our free bonfire shawl class, which is just right on the top navigation bar. And in our newsletter, we share like new patterns, new yarns, but we also have a little section that's just kind of things to inspire you, get you thinking. Fine. And then a little piece that's just behind the scenes about the business, like what's going on behind the scenes. So some of it will be sharing like the, the books I've shared here and other things like that. So if you're interested in following along there, that's probably the best place. <laughs> awesome. So good. It was so good to have you. And I'm so thankful that you are part so of the project. Yes, I'm very, very excited. It's so nice to meet you, Anastasia. And I'm excited that you're doing this work in the world. It's so needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it is. But yes, it's it's been great. So thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. All right. So just a treat for you, just so that you know, is that today you got Amy. In two days, you're going to get Sarah Walworth. And that's two in one week. And then next week we will have our last installment and that will wrap up the community project episodes. So again, at any time in your life, no matter where you are in the past, present, or future, you may go to my website, www.anastasiacreates.co slash podcast and sign up for the community project. You'll have access to all the emails, regardless of whether you signed up late or whether you signed up after the fact because they're so good and I can't be bothered to keep them from you and you don't deserve that. But anyway, I will talk to you in just a couple of days.